Totally. I'm excited for you to tell us about DNA. <laughs> that was evil. It's like a demon laugh. You're like Asalat. <laughs> what did you out there? Because I'm so scared. Look at that science. Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Talissa. And I'm Lucy. And we'll be your tour guides for today. <laughs> keep, please keep all hands and feet within the vehicle at all times. <laughs> um, today we are hearing from the lovely dulcet tones of Talissa's voice. No one has ever described my voice <laughs> like that and it's a lie. But thank you. Is it Yeah. Dulcet? 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 <laughs> I think my favourite way I've heard Talisa describe was when you were working in radio up at Port Macquarie and you said that someone called in and they thought your name was Chili Zippy's Ass. Yes, because I've never gotten my, that. Because my full name, we've never really said our full names, but my full name is Talisa. Bazaz, which is the most fabulous name I've ever heard. Blame yeah. my parents for that one and my dad's ethnicities, but it's, it's fine. Favorite. It's fine. And when I say it fast, it sounds like Tilly Zippy Zaz. Talisa Bazaz, Tilly Zippy Zaz. Tilly Zippy Zaz, who have you got for us today? <laughs> well, I am doing Rosalind Elsie Franklin. This episode was was a suggestion we got from one of our listeners, Kiara. She wrote to us on Instagram and she suggested the name Rosalind Franklin. That's all she said. She said Rosalind Franklin. <laughs> but it's all we needed. And I'm so glad that she did because I never would have found this story otherwise. So, yeah, I'm doing Rosalind Elsie Franklin. She was born on the 25th of July, 1920 in London, England, which makes her a Leo. So that shows this is going to be a great story. And she was born into a quite prominent Jewish family who were known to be very outspoken and in very intelligent people. And this was, as I said, in London, England in 1920. Rosalind was super smart and she went to a private girls school, which was known for being quite an academic school, seeing as it was a girls school and maybe female education wasn't as valued back then. Mm -hmm. She was said to be the best in her class some of her classmates have talked about her since and they described her as being the best at maths and the best at science and pretty much anything she put her mind to and despite being a total total smarty pants her dad had a sit down chat with her when she was 15 and said sure you're good at science but that's not what a woman does maybe you could do typing classic be a housewife cheers dad so that's great mm-hmm. and lucy you've gone your face is just not not having a bar of it <laughs> yeah sorry um yeah i i could say what i'm thinking but i think you already know what i'm thinking yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i think everyone listening knows what you're thinking and um, the contempt is like emanating down yes. down everyone's head <laughs> smell it from here yeah i can taste it i can smell it <laughs> Uh, but regardless of her dad's objection, she actually went on to study science. And thank God she did because she's changed the world. Screw you, dad. Exactly. Like, you're ruining so my smart. life. Slams the door. <laughs> then does groundbreaking science for the rest of her life. Behind said door. Yeah. So she went on to study. <laughs> behind said door. She went on to study at Newman College and she studied physical chemistry. And then she went to the University of Cambridge um, when she was offered a fellowship in 1941. So what's really interesting is that I thought that physical chemistry was when you kiss someone and it's really good. Oh. Lame. That was on the focus of life. She Lame. Gag. Ew, cuties. But you're going to love this story because there's none of that in there at all. So she's 21 at this point. We know that in 1941 England there was a bit going on, obviously with the World War. Um, 
kind of happening around that time. Her little thing. And she decides she wants to help with the war effort. So she puts her fellowship on hold and she began working with the British Coal Utilisation Research Association. Which, Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> which looked at the physical chemistry of carbon and coal and how that could help in the war effort. Now, that's gone over my head, probably you guys as well. How dare you assume? <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but basically what her work did was figure out what coal was made up of and the structures within coal to then help with chemical warfare. And her work went Whoa. on to develop better gas masks for British soldiers and help protect them from gas attacks because coal obviously plays, a, I don't know how, but plays a part in yeah. the equipment that they use. So she's so cool That's already. epic. And she's 21 when she does this. 21. So, um, I think sorry. I was trying to wear a, bon- a bandage dress. Yes. Yeah. And platform heels uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. on the wharf at Darling Harbour and try not to fall through the mm-hmm. cracks. And straightening my hair so flat to my head. And when I didn't get in a crack, I was like, yeah. I've done it. I've cracked 21. the code. 21. Um, yeah. So that was us at 21. Her at 21, just solving some of the world's biggest problems. Saving lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she took that research of which helped design those gas masks and she ended up taking it to Cambridge and she used it to get her PhD. So not only was the research really good to help save lives, but it also helped her further her research as well. Yeah, so three years later, she gets her PhD from Cambridge. So she's earned her PhD. She's helped design gas masks that are keeping British people safe in the war. Casual. But she's not done. That's just a casual Thursday for her. Mm-hmm. But this isn't even the work that she's most known for. This is the stuff that I found well down the list of her this achievements. This is the prologue, yeah. the backstory. Exactly. So in 1947, Rosalind moved to Paris and she took a job with Laboratory Central. Central. More, uh, beautiful French. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Laboratory Central. I did the translation again. The Central Lab. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in case anyone was wondering. There's a lab in the middle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and her focus in Paris was to help perfect X-ray chromatography and crystallography. Crystallography. Mm-hmm. And it's not to work with crystals. Sounds pretty. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> crystal parties. And like, come on over, buy a jade. It'll change your life. Put it on your windowsill, charge it up in the moonlight. Exactly. My stone is rose quartz. No course. offense. There's a lot of people out there who yeah, do that, and I support. I have you. no judgment, but that's not what she's charge doing. Charge your crystals. Yeah. Beyonce charges her crystals in the moonlight. Well, if Beyonce does it, then it's then fine. we sure should be doing it. Really, <laughs> we should. When's the next full moon? We must mark it down. Oh, but that's not what she's doing. Nothing to do with what she's doing. Too many other things that I need to charge before I charge my crystals. <laughs> charge my phone. My vibe. No. <laughs> my mental energy my, yeah my exactly. literal strength to do day-to-day activities go on luckily Rosalind <laughs> had the strength to do this stuff because it goes on to change the world so she is working with x-ray and her work is to perfect x-ray to the point where they can see more with x-ray technology am i making sense like not just yeah on one level they can see down further levels so the the better mm-hmm. the x-rays get the more comprehensive the image gets. The more you can pick up. Exactly. Yeah. And that is science. So uh, <laughs> Science, bitch. <laughs> um, hashtag women in STEM. Hashtag scientific Exactly. Leaders. And hashtag apologies in advance to any scientist minds listening. Um, I've got a few friends who work in the science field and I'd like to formally apologise to those people <laughs> because um, this is not my world. But the thing is... You did your Googles. I did my Googles. So she basically gets so... Her x-ray gets so good... Um, it can see down to the level of DNA, which hasn't been done before. Whoa. Yeah. What and year is this? This is 1947. Crikey. Yeah. 
So she does that for a couple of years. So she's there for four years. And in that time, she perfects x-ray so well that it can see down to the level of DNA again first time in the world had been done but because she was only an assistant at the time because she was a lady and had a vagina and she feared someone might steal her work because she was a lady and had a vagina, vagina yeah. um she kept her discovery secret and in my head i just see her putting like notes in a manila folder and holding them close to her person like kind of like when in you, her vagina yeah i'm just kidding <laughs> you know when you're on a train and like if you're traveling maybe for the first time and instead of just holding a handbag you like wrap the strap around several times around your wrist just in case someone tries to pull it away yeah. from you i imagine that's her with her manila folder um, so she's there for a few years and in 1951 she decides that to kind of keep going in this field she's going to have to move to England so she takes this secret discovery with her that she can see DNA with x-ray and she joins the King's College in England to continue her work on the structure of DNA which was a super hot topic in the science world at the time there's a lot of people trying to understand DNA so I'm just going to put this out there. I'm going to start talking it was a about very, it. It was new. It was a new It was thing. totally new. Mm-hmm. And my only experience with DNA is the song by Little Mix, DNA. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic, tragic okay. pop song. So I'm going to apologize again. So DNA stands for dioxyribonucleic acid. Beautiful. And it's a molecule that's inside the nucleus of a cell. So let me break it down further. It's a bunch of atoms which have been stuck together and its job is to store and code genetic information of the body. Right. So it's like a chain of information. Mm -hmm. And scientists at the time knew what it was made up of, but they didn't know how it was structured together. Right. So they knew that DNA had A, B, C and D in it, but they didn't know what order or how they sat together. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. That's basically all you need to know about DNA for this story. So Rosalind, when she gets to England, is expected to work under really, really crazy conditions because, again, she is a lady and ladies should not be allowed to do anything in a fair way. She was expected to work in a very old basement with antiquated equipment while other people got to work upstairs in newer labs. She was expected to stop her work each day at lunchtime and leave the building because, as we know... Could never possibly let a man see us eat at lunchtime. Oh, no. And the men could eat in the cafeteria wherever they wanted. Women had to literally leave the building. We don't fart. No, only salads. Yeah, we don't wake up with bed hair. Not at all. I let a man see me eat once and... (laughs) (laughs) It was the last time I saw a man. (laughs) It was the last thing he ever did, actually. He's dead now. Oh, wow. That's... Oh, you ate him? (laughs) Oh, is that what you did? Ew. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not uh, feminism. That's cannibalism. Food, so. And that's found upon in many societies. Um, <laughs> including us. Just yeah. In case you needed a reminder. But it was super frustrating because she'd get on a roll with her work and then have to stop everything and then go outside because men weren't allowed to see her eat. That's really weird. Ugh. Like the these these are intelligent men. They're like very, very bright scientists. Yes. They're like biologists. They're, they're like so, they're so, chemists. They're so fragile. So fragile. They're so fragile. <laughs> they're studying the human body, but they can't see the human body consume food which it needs to to live. Anyway, this story, I've told you guys already, this story she's makes my up. skin Gets you going. Gets me gone. So, nevertheless, she's dealing with all these shit factors and she's takes charge of her lab, which is the bunker underground pretty mm-hmm. much. She upgrades all her equipment and not long after, she's again shining high energy x-ray on wet crystals of DNA. So she gets her equipment to the level pretty much it was at Paris. On wet crystals. So from what I understand is... She'd left her moonstone out in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> they um, So DNA, they when they look at DNA, it's wet. But it can be less wet and more wet. Yeah, okay. And that's how she does what she does. But I, I don't fully get I that part. I don't get it. 
You've Googled what you need to Google. And I, asked, I tried to call my sister, but she wasn't answering. Um, okay. Because she gets it. I don't get it. But basically, yeah, she checks up on wet crystals of DNA, shining really high power x-ray onto it, try and get images of it. Right. Or to get a clearer understanding of what's happening. There were major tensions in that lab and in the King's College with other male scientists, especially one named Maurice Wilkins, who we don't like, um, who saw her in the lab after he came back from a holiday and just assumed that she was his assistant. Oh, okay, that's nice. And she's like, hey, um, you can help me with this. And she's like, thank you very much, but I'm actually like doing really important work and, you know, I won't be doing that. Have a good day. But he was a senior scientist and she wasn't. So there was a lot of the time where she just had to kind of go along with whatever he said. Bloody hell. So he's a total dick to her and makes things really uncomfortable for Rosalind and he starts splitting his time between there and another lab because he just can't stand to be in the same room as a woman. Um, God forbid. Again. So fragile. I know. <laughs> and these are really intelligent people. Like, yeah, I'm a bit worried about them. Yeah, well, don't are be. We? They're fine. Yeah. Um, she worked really close. It was one good guy, though, who she worked really closely with, and he was a good one. And he was a grad student named Raymond Gosling. Now, no confirmation if he is related to Ryan oh Gosling. God, I knew you were going to say A that. girl can dream. And for the rest of this story, I want you to imagine that Raymond Gosling looks like Ryan Gosling. So Raymond Gosling was helping Rosalind in her lab and he basically worked really well with her and they were a really good team together and she was the lead on it, but he just was a kind of like the assistant and she ended up trusting him. He was the only one that she trusted and she told him what she'd figured out in Paris, which was that she could see DNA with x-ray. Right. He's the only other person that mm-hmm. she told about that because people could steal her ideas and it could be really detrimental trust no to one. her work. Yeah. Exactly. Even if they are a gosling, don't exactly. trust them. Don't trust them. Um, so they're refining the equipment, again, working on x-ray, trying to get a clearer picture of what DNA looks like. And after hundreds of hours of work, they snap one of the most significant photos of science to this day. And it's called cool. Photo 51. Cool. And all DNA research or DNA work from that day, well, kind of i'll explain why in a minute but from kind of that era onwards has used that in their work wow yeah so it's big so let me tell you what's in the photo does it look like squiggly pasta kind of you're on oh, tap my nose you kind of got that so Arigatoni. the photo showed for the first time that dna was a double helix Ooh. Ooh. now double helix is what you're shown on the news every time they talk about science yeah or if you type in your phone the emoji if you type in dna that comes up is a double helix oh, good reference. a double helix is looks like a ladder with two poles and rungs mm-hmm. and like it's been twisted slightly mm-hmm, of course so it's, it's like a spiral ladder pasta. exactly like squiggly pasta but a ladder so Rosalind is the one who figured that out I know she took a photo of that and it's one of the most iconic images of science that we talk about as soon as you say DNA that's the first thing you think exactly so she is the woman who figured that out yay I know yay so Rosalind was able to prove for the first time how DNA was structured because as I said before they had knew all the bits they just didn't know how the bits worked together and now they did so her and Gosling got this photo and that's all well and great but she had to do heaps of extra work to like prove it like she's a scientist she's got evidence but she needs to work her theories yeah. out to see if this is actually real mm-hmm. um, they estimate the work would have been hundreds of hours long or would have taken her at least a year and in this time things were becoming increasingly more tense in the college in the King's College men started referring to her as the dark lady behind her back because she was quite stern she was quite focused she was playing dressing apparently again none of these things bloody matter because she 
had made one of the greatest scientific discoveries of all time. Well, it wouldn't matter even if you hadn't. Exactly. You're just going about your business, just being a bit stern and dressing badly. Mm-hmm. And then, but it wouldn't matter. No, doesn't, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. Nope, not at all. And it basically led her to being quite unhappy around the labs. And in Jealous 19... gossip girls. I Kings. know. They're the worst. So in 1953, King's College got so hectic that she had to leave. But before she did, like most scientists do, like we know from being journalists, like you see scientific journals, right? Mm-hmm. And if they've got a theory that they're working or a hypothesis and they've got evidence, they'll submit it to a journal, a peer-reviewed journal. Mm-hmm. And so she does this. She starts getting her stuff together about how DNA is a double helix and she sends it through to a journal called Nature. So the journal comes out and she opens it up and there's a full article about a double helix mm. in there, which is great. No. But it's not her article. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah. <gasps> Turns out. Gosling. No, not Gosling. Oh, God, not Gosling. Gosling. I told you, Gosling Maurice. was a good one. Maybe. So it turns out two men named Jim Watson and Francis Crick, who were chemists and physicists, somehow got wind of what Rosalind had done. Somehow got wind, I should add, somehow, and ran with a theory that ended up proving that DNA was a double helix as well. But it turns out that Wilkins, Morris Wilkins, was friends with these guys. And he just so happened, probably we think, there's two there's two theories, and I'll work through both of them with you. But Morris is the only Maurice is the only thing that ties the two together. Scandal. Oh, we hate Maurice. So yeah, bloody Maurice has is friends with these guys. There's a theory. There's two theories. There's a theory that she's moving out of the lab because he's made King's College so difficult for her to be in. Right. That she's taking all the notes. She somehow leaves photo fifty one there, and he takes it to the two guys and is like, "Hey guys, look at this," and that's where they work their theory. Now they proved the theory themselves. They did but with inspiration from her. They could not have done it had she not had that photo taken. Or the other theory is that she was doing a presentation and she was describing the work that they were doing in DNA, but didn't talk about the helix until right near the end where she's like, and we have reason to believe that DNA is shaped as a double helix. And they apparently got out of the lecture and ran out and started working in their lab. So regardless of how they got the information... They have taken it, it from, from her, her and they've run with it. And their journal gets published in the Nature Science Journal. So does Rosalind's. But the editor of the journal decides to put hers second. second. So it looks like the men have had the discovery and her research article is merely just supporting what they have thanks to them. I told you this would make you angry. I said this last night. I was like, this is going to make you angry. I just growled. So... It makes it look like her work is just supporting their discovery rather, and they're the ones that discovered it. After this, Watson and Crick become household names, at least in the science world, and Rosalind is not mentioned once at all. She's completely ignored. Before the journal's published, Rosalind moves to Burbeck College. When she's going to go to Burbeck College, she has to promise King's College that she will no longer work on DNA. Mm-hmm. So this is 1953. Yep. She found out the structure of DNA. She discovered it. And then in order for her to be able to leave, they've said, you're not allowed to work on DNA anymore. Don't you think as a scientist they'd want her to do further work? No, because she's a woman. Mm. I don't know much about this, but is that the way that university studies still work? I don't the, know. I thought that the findings belong to, to the, the university, university and not to not the, researcher. the researcher. That's what this is. That's what happens It is here, true, so. though. It is, yeah. And, like, I think it depends on what – type of research yeah. you're doing and what it's be contracts and stuff now too but at the time they were like cool you can leave even though we've made this horrible for you to do but you have to promise you're not going to do anything more with it bullshit so she moves to Burbeck College and instead she starts researching the tobacco mosaic virus which has nothing to do with tobacco and everything to do with mosaicing 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she starts studying broken tile art. No, it's got it's basically an infection that infects plants and it makes their leaves yellow. In tomato plants, it means like their fruit might not be as good. Like it's a it's a pretty generic illness that plants can get. Right, it's a okay. virus that plants can get. Okay. And it was perfect for her to study because the virus actually forms crystals. So you know how she looked at wet DNA? That's in kind of like crystals and this is kind of like crystals. And the x-ray crystallography that she did would mean that she could look at this virus really closely. So she began her work in 1953 to look at the structure of the tobacco mosaic virus or TMC. Burbeck College was a much nicer place for her and her colleagues started treating her with respect, which might I add, she was treated with respect in Paris as well. It wasn't until she came back to England at the King's College that she faced problems. And we have in previous episodes, the previous episode, yeah, talked about that Paris being a bit more open-minded. Mm-hmm. Here we are back in conservative Freedom bloody England. In so her colleagues treated her nicely and she was able to assemble a team of scientists, assemble, sorry, a team of scientists who were researching. assemble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they were all working to similar goals as her, which she wasn't able to do before because no one wanted to work with a woman. Yeah. She was able to work through a hypothesis about the structure of the mosaic virus, which I was going to explain, but CBF. And she therefore meant, it meant that, the structure of that virus could then, in her thoughts, be similar to the structure of other viruses like polio. Okay. To be able to study polio, they needed to raise money. So Rosalind went around spruiking the work they were doing. Mm-hmm. They said, we've already figured out the structure of the TMC plant virus. We have a, think, a thought now that we've got our x-ray so good, we can figure out this crystallized structure of every virus, or well, not every yeah. virus, but polio. And will you give us your money so we can keep working through that uh-huh. and she was in the u.s trying to secure more funding and she became really unwell oh, no. in 1956 just a year later after what i just described she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer <sighs> she had two surgeries within a month i think i read and then she recovered from the surgeries doubling her efforts knowing that unfortunately with things like cancer and the technology they had then, it could come back. And it did. Yeah. And so the cancer returned soon after. Despite her illness getting worse, though, Rosalind was able to m- obtain funding for her team to do another three years worth of research. And she didn't get to see that. Unfortunately, two years after she secured that funding in 1958, on April 16, she died at age 37. <gasps> oh, no. That's Now, there are suggestions, and you might notice if, you've, if your ears might be pricking up, if you listen to the Radium Girls episode, she may have, the cancer may have been caused because she was working so closely with, with x-ray, x-ray, which is done with radiation. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say that originally, yep. but I thought I'd let you finish. She was working with x-ray. Yep. I mean, that's... Exactly. And Very interesting. They might be... There's there's thought... You can't... They couldn't prove it, I don't think, at the mm. time, but there are thoughts now that that was probably 100%. what she died yep. of. And being 37 and having ovarian cancer, is quite young. Yeah. Shortly after her death, though, two members from her team, John Finch and Aaron Klug, published their research into polio and they credited her and dedicated it to her in the same journal that she had been snubbed in all those years later, the Good. Nature Journal. Good stuff, Finch and Klug. I know. We like you, Klug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Klug on. I know. A few years after her death, though, it was also proved that her research was correct. Yeah. Yes. So, and she was credited for this research, okay, obviously. that's good. Now, that research not only figured out the structure of the polio virus, but it laid the wow. foundations for modern virology. So, the research they do on viruses now is thanks Coronavirus. to... Exactly. I don't know. I don't, I look, I don't know. I don't know. But most modern virology research is done with her that's proven very cool. 
methods of figuring it out. Mm. Again, this is me talking about science. I'm just going to be casual. Okay. Yeah, 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 just okay. dropping some science beats. In the final kick in the guts, though, Watson, oh, no. Crick and Wilkins were given the Nobel Prize in 1962 for their work in shaping, figuring out the shape of DNA. Hang on. So they got awarded the Nobel, the Nobel Peace, Prize, Peace, Prize Peace Prize for her, for her work. work and they still have that in their possession. Mm. They still have that mm-hmm. title. Mm-hmm. Even though they know. Because, and I'll, I will explain this. Because while she did take photo 51 and we know now she was the first one to discover it, they still proved it. But she discovered it. she also proved it too, didn't she? Yeah, she she proved it as well. They weren't talking about her for years and years and years. If you Google it now, (sighs) Watson and Crick are the two names that come up when you talk about DNA. Honestly, still to this day, all the stories about her are about how either they stole her um, discovery which have been written in modern day, like recently, mm. or if you Google the words DNA, Watson and Crick pop up straight away. Bastards. Yeah, I know. In a book written by Watson and Crick in 1968, they described Franklin as a villain, saying she was belligerent, emotional, and she was unable to interpret her own data, which was a fucking lie. Mm-hmm. And... It's only decades later that Franklin's contribution has been acknowledged and honoured, like recent, recent times. Mm. Um, It was someone, I think from one of the videos I was watching, they said it happened because someone was doing a biography about her Mm -hmm. and then realised like, holy shit, she came up with it. So they interviewed a whole heap of people from her life, people she did research with, people who knew her at the time, and they put together, she's the one that took photo 51. She's the one who did this. Bro. Yeah. Today, there are a heap of facilities named after her scholarships and research grants, especially for women that have been named in her honour so her legacy lives on both in the scientific world but also the social changes that she made by being such an incredible science mind in a time which was just not ready for it you've pissed me off I'm sorry I knew uh, it was going to happen <laughs> I, lo- I love that sometimes my about DNA really- is not worthy of this I know I know. I'm sorry. I told you that I was going to make you angry. But she's getting the respect she deserves now. That's the main thing. It's a man's world. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't mean nothing without yeah, a woman. woman or a girl. Researching and breaking discoveries around the world. Okay. Yeah, thank, so- you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kiara. For- yeah. I, yeah. So as I said, like I never heard of Rosalind Franklin, to be honest. Didn't know anything about DNA no. science. Still probably don't, to be honest. <laughs> Except I know that DNA stands for something now. Go. What is it? Go. 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 I'm trying go, to scroll go, back. Go. I'm scrolling, scrolling back. I'm scrolling. Up, scrolling, up, scrolling, up, scrolling. Up. Go. No, I don't. Hold on. I know the first one's deox- deoxyribonucleic acid. Trivia. Spread the word. Women in STEM. Stop stealing our fucking research. <laughs> again for tuning in for another episode of Fierce Females of History podcast. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females podcast or Facebook Fierce Females of History podcast. You can email us if you have a suggestion, history at gmail.com or message us on the Facebook or Instagram. The DMs. Exactly. We want to hear about these stories. There's a lot of women whose stories don't get told. On that note, even if you have someone that you know of that is doing really cool stuff, please write to us. Write yeah. about them because we're looking at doing something with that. So, yeah. Or if that episode left you feeling a little bit angry, a little bit enraged, set your teeth on edge, I would suggest that you channel that red energy 
into an angry dance. <laughs> you know, I'm picturing Kevin Bacon, Footloose, you know. You know when he's in the garage thing? Jumping or the, off cars. He's jumping off cars, jumping off trains, lots of angry dancing and punching. And, and there's a really strong message of, you know, like oppression and, you know, wanting to break free. <laughs> Just do that. Send it to us. We'll, we'll send it. something back. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. Bye. See ya. Bye.